Warning, the following podcast may contain explicit language. It will definitely contain heterodoxy, thought crime, and graphic depictions of alcohol use. Rest assured that at the time of recording this episode, all participants had nowhere to drive. The Cocktail Party Congress encourages you to drink and think responsibly. In vino veritas. Liberty is too precious a thing to be buried in books, Miss Saunders. Men should hold it up in front of them every single day of their lives and say, I'm free to think and to speak. My ancestors couldn't. I can. And my children will. You know, I'm a voter. Aren't you supposed to lie to me and kiss my butt? Cocktail Party Congress, the only political discussion podcast with a three-drink minimum. I'm Dan Caves. And I'm JT Andrews. And uh, what are we drinking today, JT? Uh, right now, we've got uh, an old-fashioned. An old-fashioned, all right. One well, my this favorite is... cocktails of all time. Yeah, well, this is an old-fashioned kind of show, so I think it's absolutely fitting. Um, well, I uh, actually just got a dispatch here from Mahogany Ridge. And uh, it seems that it's uh, it's actually a recipe for how to make an old fashioned. It seems quite uh, quite serendipitous. Well, it's uh, very good to know that uh, our troops on the front are at least sending really meaningful uh, messages to us. It really is. Um, well, I figure I'll read this out to the people so that they know how to how to join us if they want to make this cocktail and uh, drink along while we're doing this show. Uh, first thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to take one and a half to two shots of bourbon or rye whiskey. Set that aside. Now, take a rocks or old-fashioned glass. Drop in one sugar cube. Saturate that sugar cube with two or three dashes of Angostura bitters. And like three. Yeah, Personally. yeah, three. I figure go opt on the side of more booze. That's my motto. <laughs> Um, so take, so saturate that sugar cube with the Angostura bitters, add a dash or two of water, um, and then muddle all of that together in the glass until the sugar is dissolved. Next, you're going to fill your glass up with ice cubes, and then take that whiskey that you set aside. Remember that when, uh, just a moment ago, I told you to put that off to the side of the drink. It's a pretty key ingredient there, Mr. Caves. It is a pretty key ingredient. Well, now you're going to pour that into the glass. Stir it up until it's all mixed together and garnish with either a strip of orange peel, a cocktail cherry, or both, if you're into that sort of thing. I like just the orange, personally. Yeah. Well, I think that the I've got mine here with an orange peel and a cherry. I think it adds a little extra touch of sweetness to this drink. Yeah. What are you drinking in yours? Bourbon, drinking, bourbon oh or, yeah i'm drinking bourbon larceny bourbon to be exact i've got uh i got some rye that i have um i think it uh just has that element of spiciness to the drink so mm-hmm. uh in case our our listeners haven't understood already but we are uh we are already this is our third drink of the night um we were speaking literally when we said that this is a political discussion podcast with a three drink minimum yeah, I've, this is my uh, my third old fashioned for the night. I had 
two with bourbon and now I've got uh, one with rye. Figured at least keep the liver on its toes. True enough. I mean, your liver might as well keep up with the rest of us. We're living in an insane time. And I think this is an a perfect a perfect opportunity to talk about we kind of started pretty cold on this one. Uh, pretty much of a cold opening, but it, it's a good time to talk about what is this podcast and why are we doing it? JT, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, the way I see it, uh, our country is in a really, really tight spot right now. Uh, what we're seeing is a very much a lack of discussion of politics and a lack of discussion and a lack of understanding uh, because either people are apathetic about it or they are so dead set on their ways that they are right and everybody else is wrong no matter what, um, that it really doesn't lend itself to a proper political discussion. It We're not able to learn from one another. We're not able to establish a good, clear policy. And I think it's our duty as citizens of this country uh, to really put ourselves right, right back on the right trail there. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, and just to place ourselves in sort of a historical context, I'm not sure exactly when you are going to hear this podcast, but we are recording one week shy of one year into the presidency of you-know-who. The, the president who would like us to mention his name. Uh, should we do it? Should we really do it? I would love to avoid talking about him, but I think there's no way, especially if we're summing up the aims of this podcast, that we can avoid it. Well, the thing is, we have to mention, I would not say his name. However, we have to mention the fact that he is a a symptom of a larger problem. Not so much the problem itself, but a symptom of a larger problem that is really taking this nation by the throat. Yeah, he absolutely is, and that's part of part of my aim for this podcast is to sort of pull ourselves away from the standard punditry that we're all used to seeing on the news, hearing on the radio, seeing on the internet for the most part. I mean, you look at your social media feeds and it's going to be a deluge of just shallow litanies of the most recent and most appalling thing that has come out of the mouth of, oh, let's just dispense with it. Donald J. Trump, the most frivolous land mammal ever to kick up dust on this planet, and his presidency is evidence of either a sick and malevolent god or a howling, uncaring void of a universe. But... But, and you made an absolutely perfect point there, JT, he is but a symptom of a larger problem, of a larger sickness in the American psyche. And he is only a representation of something that's going on in our own minds. And the way to truly stamp out what he is, is to figure out what's really gone wrong with our society what's gone wrong with our politics and how do we move forward from there right for the sake of our listeners we must uh make it clear that this is not 
you know, this is not a an anti-Trump podcast. It Absolutely is, not. And I it, think we shouldn't mention him often. No, that's why I've, to me, any press at all is good press. It doesn't <laughs> matter if it's good or bad, which is why I refer really don't like mentioning our current president's name mm-hmm. um, because it would give him more leverage almost. Uh, but what we really want to accomplish with this podcast is to open up a broader discussion, not a, we don't like our current president. So we're going to rant and rave about it on our t- news feed, in our Facebooks, in our Twitters. And, I'm sorry, but political discussion cannot be limited to a tweet. What we need to do is to uh, really bring us all together uh, to sit down and actually discuss our problems and not vilify the other side, but actually learn to work with them and to actually form proper arguments on both sides. Uh, We really need to... uh, to figure out our aims as a country. Um, I agree with you there. I I agree with you It's pretty good, right? It really is. It's really doing its job. But now speaking of the old fashioned doing its job, uh, why is it that we're drinking at this point? And um, my motto in going into this is, as you heard in the opening disclaimer, in vino veritas, so we're taking our cue from, I love this, the ancient yeah, Persians had a custom where whenever a a problem came up that needed a political solution, there... Some, something really important. Something very important. Something that was of national, of, of imperial import. Their political structure would hold debates while inebriated. And of course, we know the truth-telling properties of ethanol. And this is something that is both, it's to lubricate the podcast, I think, and it's something that we we may be doing to cope a little bit with the current presidency. At one um, point, I told Dan that I was refusing to talk anything politics without having a couple of drinks in me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, but also, it is a a metaphor for how we are going to approach this podcast. And when we say that Donald Trump is, I just said his name again. Should I put a coin in a jar every time I do that? Or yeah. Maybe we could have the Trump jar. And at the end, we'll we'll buy ourselves a uh, a big old bottle of whiskey we'll have together at some point. You know, this is good. So we're up to three. Let me get my golf clicker out. <laughs> um, actually, I may have, I, I literally have a golf clicker that, you don't I, play golf. I don't, but I found it in a couch cushion. <laughs> That's where I, the best things come from, is the couch cushion. I found a golf clicker and a pocket knife in couch cushions in my life. And you found a pocket knife? Man, I did. I've been missing a pocket knife for a while. No, it's nothing that... <laughs> no, this is a pocket knife that was in a cushion of a chair that I picked up off the side of the road. Uh, That's fantastic. <laughs> so, fantastic and a little suspicious. So we're up to three mentions of you-know-who. Um But to get back to my point, we say that he is a symptom of a problem and that we are not having a healthy political conversation these days. And 
one of the things that we absolutely must be able to do if we want to accurately define a problem and know how to approach its solution is to speak truthfully with each other. And we That's currently, yes, and we currently live in a time and I just have to, a broader culture, it isn't just an American problem at this point, where dishonesty is a valid, is at least seen as a valid tactic. And it's sort of, it's transcended the standard party cliches that we're all used to. And it's gotten to a, a, a pretty pathological point um, to the to the level where we just a lot of people are depoliticizing at this point they they feel completely uncomfortable with the idea of engaging with politics and while on the one hand a measure of political health is how involved you feel you have to get if we're in a situation politically where things are going well you really don't have a need to get involved in politics but we're in this paradoxical situation now where things are poisonous and dysfunctional and just it seems like everything's completely going off the rails. On I feel I feel like we're levels. almost at that point where people like such as you and I, um, we're at that point where we feel that it's not that we want to get involved. It's that we feel this civic responsibility that we have to get involved. Absolutely. And you know, we've known each other for a decade. We've been we've been politically interested and active in different ways over the not, years and not not to mention drunk. Not to mention a little <laughs> drunk. Um but we've been pretty quiet since the 2016 election and that that seems completely backwards because now is exactly the time when you and people like you and I should be the most involved, but we've been almost we've been quite reticent to get to to speak up in this situation. And this podcast, I think, is going to be a valuable outlet for us because we trust each other, and very much tr- so. It, I hope so too, and we trust <laughs> each other to tell the truth. I hope, <laughs> and <Don't> so be- <laughs> I think that in. The coming in the coming weeks and months of this podcast, we're we're going to try to engage with some of the ideas that have kind of fallen by the wayside in this gossipy new in, in, in this new gossip driven political it's, moment. We're living in the age of pop politics. Um, where some politician somewhere, it doesn't matter who it is, it could be the president with a tweet, it could be some other congressman with a something they muttered under their breath with a hot mic, and uh, suddenly that's the o- only focus of the media. But in fact, th- the media seems to ignore the, the larger issues that are at hand. Um, we keep talking about... Uh, you know, the president's Twitter account, which I'm frankly surprised that they haven't deactivated yet based on the terms of service of Twitter. But that seems to be the only thing that the media actually talks about. Whereas we're 
aiming to do is to talk about a uh, a larger issue almost where we want to talk about the constitution how that plays into it uh well thought out arguments of people from the 1700s up to today um it's something that a lot of people really ignore nowadays. They're so wrapped up with, oh, this person said this, that person said that. And we ignore the the larger issues. I mean, for, for crying out loud, uh, we're more concerned with the president's Twitter account than we are with our own constitution. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous to, us, to that, that section. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, uh, of course, we have our pocket constitutions right here, and this that, is something... That I do. I've, I've been holding on to this thing for about 10 years now. Oh, yeah. I've, I have so many different editions of, these, of, of pocket constitutions. It's kinda, it's, it's, it might be a little unhealthy, but it's something that, <laughs> it's something well, that if, I have embraced. If you've got a spare, you know, give it out to a friend. Give it Absolutely. out to a complete stranger. I, we've actually we've actually done that in the past. We've uh, we had a Constitution Day where we took pocket constitutions. We just handed them out to people on the streets, saying, "Hey, read this. Know your rights. Like yeah. these are the rights you are guaranteed by law. And if some sort of authority figure comes up next to you and says, "No, you cannot do that," you can point to the exact section that says, "Yes, I can." And this is a completely unsolicited plug, but uh, so for a, a few years ago, I took part in a rally for which I decided to make um, pocket constitutions to hand out. And if you do want one and you don't want to spend too much money, I'm going to recommend that you go to constitutionbooklet.com. That actually, you can print out a, a um, sort of a front and back page set up for a pocket constitution where you can fold it up, cut it, and staple it yourself, and you've got, boom, you've got yourself something that's going to fit in your breast pocket. And it's an absolutely wonderful resource to just keep around if you're interested in that sort of thing. And I hope you are. And I hope, if you aren't, that in future episodes of this podcast, we can make you interested. Um, And, JT, the, the Constitution is... Is it more than just a 240-something-year-old piece of parchment? I mean, what? why it, should we give... It's very much more so than that. Why should like, we give it any any mind at all? It's full of, it's full of 18th century assumptions about how the world worked and about how... Well, uh, yeah. About, but of who the, counted as a, as, as a human. So why should we keep something like the Constitution? Give us your re- thoughts. So we really need to to consider our constitution as a living document. Yeah, I know that's an old cliche that you probably learned in high school, but it really is. Um, it is a document that can be changed. We've seen a lot of different amendments to our constitution. We have seen uh, everything from the, <laughs> the enactment of prohibition to the repeal of prohibition. We, it, it just goes to show that we can undo the things that we have done. We can come to grips with our past, which, in all honesty, what they don't teach you in, in school is that our past is very, very dark. 
Oh, we yes. Ha- we have done some absolutely atrocious things in our past. The three-fifths compromise. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were considering these slaves to be three-fifths of a person when it comes to choosing our congressional representatives. Mm-hmm. The Trail of Tears. The, we've built this country up on slavery and genocide in our past. And it's something we really haven't come to grips with yet. We're still trying to figure out how to deal with it. I mean, our our current situation with uh, all sorts of racist, not everything from racist comments, police brutality, and it, the list just goes on and on. The events at Charlottesboro. I mean, we are in a t- day and age where we are still trying to come to grips with our past. And I think once we come to grips with our past, once we acknowledge the fact that we did these horrible things, I think that we'll actually be able to move on and do bigger and better things as a country. Mm. Um, and to add to that point, and I completely agree with you there, um, to add to that point too, I think that the idea of coming to grips with that very very dark past is something that is so paradoxical to the central idealism that this country was kind of founded on i think that there's a cognitive dissonance that keeps us from having that conversation but it is one that we absolutely must have and it's vital to our continued existence as a a universal republic a a, a republic of universal justice and one of universal liberty because when you look at this when when you look at the constitution you look at the bill of rights i mean it's easy to look at this thing and think that we have rights because the government grants them to us but this isn't necessarily the case when you look back at publications like the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers. You need both sides of that conversation to make any sense of this. Or when you look at the writings, especially of my absolute favorite founding father was Thomas Paine. He was the most revolutionary of the revolutionaries. I'm not going to lie, Mr. Caves, but there is a copy of Common Sense by Thomas Paine right next to my computer right now. That is and should be required reading for a good citizenry. And when, when you look at Thomas Paine, he wanted he wanted to abolish slavery from the very beginning. He he had revolutionary ideas that, for tragic human reasons, were compromised away in the historical moment of the seventeen the seventeen nineties um, when the Constitution was well ratified, but formulated up to that point. But to get back to my point. Um, we have a hard time having that conversation, but we must for our future have it. And we need to take a cue from, this is something I absolutely love about the German language. We have to take our cue from the Germans on this one because after the Second World War and after National Socialism ravaged Europe from France to the gates of Moscow, after that devastation and after the horrific atrocities of the Nazi regime, the Germans had to figure out a way to make sense of their past. And a word entered 
the parlance, and the Germans are notorious and more positively famous for their ability yeah. to create very descriptive <laughs> and very, very evocative compound words. And this, and, and the word that I'm looking for is Vergangenheitsbewältigung. And the way that that word breaks down, it roughly translates as the coming to grips with one's dark and checkered past. And this was a cultural movement. It was a sort of a political movement. It was a it was it was a necessary step in their reintegration into democratic society that we have never really done. And we should that, be ashamed of ourselves for having never done that. That's true. Americans, I feel like, are very... We're very dead set in our ways. It doesn't matter if you are a, a very liberal person from New York City or if you're a very conservative person from rural Alabama. Um, we're very, very dead set in our ways, and we're almost refusing to listen to the other side, to actually come up with an argument other than, well, this is the way I was brought up, so this way must be right. And I think that's one of the things that's the problem with, uh, with our country is that we're refusing to change our own ways. We're refusing to admit that we may have been wrong in the past. And we need to change that mentality. We need to actually not only hear the other side, but listen to the other side. There's a huge difference between hearing and listening. I mean, you can, you can give all the equal time you want on MSNBC, on Fox News, on CNN... You can give all the equal time you want, but it doesn't change people from actually listening to other people's arguments. And that's something that I think both myself and Dan want to change about uh, just our country in general. Our listeners, I encourage you, please listen to the other side. Try to figure out their arguments and try to figure out how you can potentially change their way of viewing the world, of viewing the country. And with the Constitution at your back, you can do just about anything in this country if you put your mind to it. Mm. I completely agree. And um, I guess I would add that we've been given multitudes of reasons of why not to listen to each other we we take it upon ourselves to to assume things about a person that we're talking to who has different political beliefs based on a label that we give them we now can claim to know everything that is going to be in their heads and Something that I've encountered—that's that, that, something that I've encountered over the years. I mean, I—I've been generally, for most of my life, a pretty conservative guy. I was far more extreme in my younger years, but I feel like I've—I don't know if I've changed, but I have matured and educated myself up to a point where I am far more open to to other people's ideas. And although I've I, ho I still hold a lot of conservative assumptions. In these trying times, I'm finding that they are leading me to more and more liberal conclusions. 
I which agree. Is, which is like, an odd paradox, but it's something that is absolutely possible, and we have to be open to that possibility. Yeah, one of the things that I, I've noticed is that I was brought up very in a, a conservative household, a politically conservative household. And when I went to college, I became more, I would say, libertarian and uh, got exposed to a lot of other viewpoints. I mean, I've met socialists. I've debated with socialists. I've even become friends with socialists. But uh, we all had something to learn with each other, uh, learn from each other. And that's really what I encourage our listeners to do. Become friends with somebody who doesn't necessarily share your viewpoints. Um, maybe you, you may learn something. You may learn about a, just a different outlook in life. Um, but I've noticed a lot of a lot of times, especially since the, uh, the going from 2015 until now, I've noticed my views have gone from more conservative to being the liberals may have something going for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, it, I, it's not not to mean that we should be vilifying the other side, which is a great problem in today's media. Is we constantly vilify each other. <laughs> but really, we should be learning uh, from one another. Yeah, and, and it's a tactical move, too, when you see that. And it, it's it's essentially to say that, and, and this is part of the, this is another symptom of the problem. I, I, I won't say it is the problem, but a symptom is there is a tactical truthlessness that is sort of snaked its way into our conversation where, when you have a public platform and you have someone whose ideas or policies you do not want to see find any like find any footing whatever you need to be true about them in order to either stop them from speaking or discourage people from hearing or listening that can be true you just have to say it with sufficient confidence and it doesn't matter what is factual you have said the thing that will keep them from gaining any any traction and the fact that that has taken on a mainstream um appeal we should not be devastating to our political culture the dissent in our country we should be listening to them like our For crying out loud, the American Mm -hmm. Revolution was founded upon ideas of dissent. And we should not, you know, we should not relent in our dissension, but we should listen to one another. Maybe the other side has something to offer. And if they don't, point out why they are wrong in the form of a civilized argument, not a, you're wrong because you're a racist. You're wrong because you're a socialist. That's not what this country needs right now. What we... Those words... And, yeah, and those words really mean something. And they need to continue to mean something. And they cannot be... They they cannot be deployed willy-nilly. And... No, they can't. And 
if they are to be deployed, they should be deployed with some some form of evidence and some sort of reason behind them. Um, hopefully, we will not I'll be in that, that situation on this podcast. <laughs> uh, although, I mean, I will drink to that too. Um, and just to sum up, we we have the right to speak to each other. But with every right comes a requisite responsibility. And we have, as I said, a responsibility. If we are going to speak, and we are going to speak about how institutional power is to be distributed and used, which is what politics is all about, we have a responsibility to speak with each other truthfully. We cannot have... And, and I mean, like I said... We've seen party, uh, political party cliches come and go, but there's a there's an insidiousness that's sort of crept in, especially in this current presidency, where the truthlessness has gotten to a real, a, a really pathological point, and one where it's like the. Very I think the phrase so. "alternative facts" really does sum it up. It's not necessarily the, that we have disagreements. We have disagreements over interpretations of the facts or how those facts relate to potential policy decisions. We just can just come up with our own facts as needed in an ad hoc way. And that is not how no, that is you the, sustain the use of alternative facts, quote unquote, is the sign of an unhealthy republic. And that's something that I think we need as Americans... Dan and yeah. I, as podcasters, uh, it's something that we really need to change. Oh, man. Hey, what's that, what's that sound? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, not to get... Oh, whoa, hey. Well, uh, that is our <laughs> signal from the Illuminati to kind of wrap this up. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, th- th- this uh, th- th- this heralds in a segment that we have been instructed by our our bosses to call the moment. So, <laughs> the moment of clarity uh, is a speech that uh, either Dan or I have prepared, and uh, it's something that we may have written while drunk, but it is something that we recorded while sober, and it is a. A rather sobering speech, uh, so that you listeners can uh, better come to grips with who we are as a country, as who we are as podcasters, and uh, it's just a few words of wisdom. And I encourage all I encourage all of you to uh, listen and take heart. We hope. Listen, take heart, and hopefully join the discussion. Uh, if you have any questions, Gripe, gripes, concerns, existential crises, minor moral dilemmas. I, I had a professor who opened every lecture asking, "Any gripes or bitches?" <laughs> and uh, we want to give you an outlet. We want to give you an outlet. And uh, before we we get too too ahead of ourselves and jump into social media we uh we would like you to write us at cocktailpartycongress at gmail.com please let us know anything that is on your mind you can even share um, your favorite cocktail recipes 
by all means do it. Yeah, we'll take recommendations. I mean, it's it it's going to take a lot of a lot of work off of our shoulders with uh with the the size of the task that this podcast <laughs> has taken on its shoulders. Uh in as we've articulated hopefully in a clear way during this grand throat clearing. Um well, JT, thank you for joining me tonight. This has been an absolute pleasure. The pleasure is all mine, and uh, yeah, this whiskey is amazing. <laughs> I am thoroughly enjoying. I'm not even quite finished with my drink. I've been so caught up in the conversation. This is same here. I've got about a quarter of it left. Well, cheers, my friends, and uh, enjoy the moment of clarity. Cheers. Listeners, America is by no means a great nation. It is doubtful that our republic was ever really great to begin with. However, I encourage all of you to take comfort in recognizing that while our nation may not at present be a great nation, we have it within ourselves the capacity for greatness. I believe that all Americans share a common capacity and a common opportunity to bring forth all that is good. The achievement of greatness is an idealistic goal. Our Republic may never achieve this ideal, but if we put our hearts and minds to it, we may someday be able to come as close as humanly possible. We cannot make America great by continuously deluding ourselves into believing that we have already in our history achieved this ideal. We cannot make America great again, but rather we can achieve greatness for the very first time in our nation's history. How might we be able to accomplish such a mighty undertaking? Well, my friends, the very first step is to recognize our own faults and our own shortcomings. To recognize that our country was built upon unspeakable acts of slavery and genocide to understand that we continued to talk of freedom while we filled our legislatures with those that would grant freedom to some at the expense of another's. Our quest for the American dream has turned from one of seeking opportunity to one of seeking profit. Our love of knowledge has been overtaken by our lust for ignorance. The wants of the few have sabotaged the needs of the many. For far too long have I watched the republic that I have loved turn away from the path towards greatness, and it is now that I must fight to set the ship of state back onto its rightful course. America is a land ruled by law. We are a republic. We are not ruled by the whims and wishes of a monarch, nor the word of a god, nor the wealth of a business, nor the dictation of a military, nor the outcries of a mob. No, listeners. We are ruled by laws, put together by reason, so that they may be fair and just to all, blind to the size of one's purse, the color of one's skin, the deities that one chooses to worship or not to worship, those that we may love and be loved by, without regard to who we are, and without regard to the measure of power that one obtains. As you can probably tell, we have strayed far from what it means to be a republic. 
the road to greatness is by no means an easy one. We must strive to better ourselves, to become a nation where all are equal under the law, and where one individual cannot be considered to be above it. From the highest office in the nation to the poorest of the poor, no one is above the law. Our economy continues to grow, but what of our freedom? Our technology continues to improve, but under what restrictions and to what nefarious end? The slippery slope becomes steeper and steeper and the rolling snowballs continue to grow. It is the civic responsibility of Americans everywhere to take charge and to change the bleak future that this nation has on its present course towards self-destruction. In the coming weeks, I will continue to fight for what is right, to make my voice heard, and to grapple with those that would seek to undermine the integrity of our republic, ruining its chances of becoming a shining beacon of hope and greatness on this earth. I understand that we are growing cynical and apathetic in these dark and trying times, but I encourage you to take a stand for what is right, to fight for liberty, for justice, to fight for your rights as human beings as well as your rights as American citizens. The road ahead is a dark and treacherous one, but know this, we may not be great now, but our American Republic undoubtedly has the capacity and the drive for greatness. The Republic still stands.